The Biden administration just filed their first lawsuit to strike down a state abortion ban since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v.ersus Wade, lying through their teeth by claiming the abortion ban prevents women from receiving emergency medical care. Pro-abortion lawmaker Hakeem Jeffries calls pro-lifers extreme and a threat to America just weeks after House Democrats blocked a resolution condemning the extreme violence against pro-life pregnancy centers and churches by pro-abortion domestic terrorists. As the abortion industrial complex slowly recovers from losing Roe v. Wade, they are tripling down and increasing their attacks against pro-lifers. The American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology threatens to decertify physicians who provide alleged misinformation and disinformation about abortion to patients. And a new rule proposed by the Biden administration's HHS department has the potential to force pro-life physicians to participate in abortions or face charges of discrimination. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Welcome to the show today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are coming to you again from my mobile podcast setup studio for the time being in our new home state of Kansas. Uh, Very, very sad and tragic news on August 2nd, Tuesday, August 2nd, two days ago, we voted in Kansas for the Value Them Both Amendment, which would put the authority back into the hands of the people as to whether they're going to pass an abortion ban in the state of Kansas. Currently, it's written into the the state constitution. And so this amendment wasn't even going to make abortion illegal in Kansas. It was going to allow the people to vote in the future to make it illegal. And the pro-abortion movement, unfortunately, got more votes significantly than the pro-life amendment did. And so uh, Kansas, unfortunately is going to become another abortion sanctuary state unless something significant changes in the people. Very tragic. I thought Kansas was much more pro-life and conservative than this, and so perhaps I'm here for a reason, but I wanted to share that very tragic news with you. There's a lot to jump into here. If you haven't sensed it yet, it's as if... The abortion industrial complex is a wounded animal who's all the more dangerous because of the wound, right? You've heard the stories, right, to like to never disturb like a wounded dog because they're more likely to lash out at you. They're more likely to attack you. They're more likely to hurt you. And it, it, it's as if the overturning of Roe versus Wade was not a fatal blow, but a significant blow to this Leviathan, and they're that much more angry because of it. And so they are tripling and quadrupling down on their greatest sacrament. And so the introduction to this show was quite a mouthful, but this is all the things happening just in the last couple weeks. Most significantly, the Biden Department of Justice is suing the state of Idaho claiming that these pro-life laws in Idaho will prevent women from receiving, quote-unquote, medical care. Okay, so Idaho has an abortion ban on the state from a 2020 trigger law that is a near-total ban with a couple exceptions. And now that the legislative power is back into the hands of the people with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, right, abortion legislation goes back to the states, the, uh, the Biden DOJ is saying, no, unacceptable. 
unacceptable. Once again, just so you know, whenever the left or the abortion industry says our democracy is in danger, <laughs> right? Our sacred democracy is being threatened. All they mean by our democracy is liberalism. Right. Or or our our oligarchy. They they don't actually care about democracy because when democracy elects Trump, it's a threat to democracy. But that would actually just be democracy working. And then when our democracy uh, votes for liberalism, then then it's just democracy. Right. And so. The people now get to exercise democracy right, <laughs> in a constitutional republic where the people in Idaho get to determine the laws they want to live under. And the Department of Justice says, uh, no, that's unjust. Once again, just so you know where these people's priority is at, it was always about power. According to Live Action News, the Biden administration's Department of Justice has filed a lawsuit against Idaho's 2020 trigger law protecting most preborn children from abortion. The DOJ claims the law will impede women from receiving life-saving treatments in the event of ectopic pregnancy or in the cases where other life-threatening complications are present. Idaho's trigger law, which is set to go into effect on August 25th, com uh, makes committing an abortion a felony punishable by up to five years in prison, but it contains exceptions for uh, cases of rape or incest that have been reported to the authorities and to save the life of the mother. And of course, that's unfortunate, of course. Um, I, I wish that there weren't any of these exceptions, especially now that states can ban abortion. They should do a total abortion ban. There's no reason why babies conceived in rape should be marked for death, while those conceived by two loving parents wanting to create a family shouldn't be marked for death. Uh, and abortion is never medically necessary to save mom's life, and so we'll get into that. Live Action continues and says, despite the law's exceptions, the Biden administration is suing under the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act, or EMTALA, which specifies that hospitals receiving Medicare funds, quote, are required to provide stabilizing treatment that, listen, okay, welcome to, uh, to George Orwell's wor world, okay, listen, stabilizing treatment is the word they use for patients with emergency medical conditions. According to the DOJ, quote, the Idaho law would make it a criminal offense for doctors to comply with the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act requirement to provide stabilizing treatment, even where a doctor determines that abortion is the medical treatment necessary to prevent a patient from suffering severe health risks or even death. So, but before we get into uh, the false assumption here, they're calling abortion now stabilizing treatment. Uh, abortion is now stabilizing treatment. Well, wh wh what's the limiting principle on that phrase? Stabilizing treatment? Stabilizing what? Again, this assumes that abortion is sometimes medically necessary to save mom's life. It's not because the procedures performed to save mom's life in a high-risk pregnancy are different than the procedure called abortion. Okay, you can induce early labor or perform a cesarean section in a high-risk, life-threatening pregnancy and save mom's life without intentionally killing the child, without con c committing an abortion. And you try to save both lives, um, but you you don't refuse to act and lose two lives. So it's, it's fundamentally different. They're conflating those two. But notice they're now calling abortion stabilizing treatment. They're, they're, they're suing under a federal act, the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act. So they're pulling the federal card as the Trump card saying, well, th this is federal law. This Trump state law. You're in, you're in violation of federal law because you would make it a criminal offense for doctors to go along with the emergency, emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act, which requires providing stabilizing treatment 
for a pregnant mother when it's deemed necessary, but it's never necessary. That quote-unquote stabilizing treatment is not an abortion. It would be inducing early labor or performing a cesarean section, okay? So, so again, notice the manipulation of language. Notice the, the refusal to define terms, which is a key sort of element or tenet of progressivism um, since way prior to the sexual revolution, the manipulation of language. That's always key, and, and Orwell understood this, although 1984 wasn't necessarily written as a training manual, <laughs> but as a warning. Uh, but listen, for abortion to ever be medically necessary for the health of mom, you have to first assume that delivery and or childbirth is more dangerous than abortion. You have to assume that. To say that abortion is sometimes necessary to save mom's life, right, you have to have already assumed that abortion is safer than pregnancy or that childbirth is more dangerous than abortion. Because if mom's life is on the line and you care about mom's health, you want to do everything you can to preserve mom's health. And so the pro-life answer would be, well, induce early labor, perform a cesarean section, because that's actually safer for mom, just her. That's safer for her than the abortion would be on her, assuming you're not even recognizing the rights of the child, that just the mother. Um, and, and yet they're going to claim that abortion is a sometimes medically necessary treatment to save the mother's life or to prevent severe health risks. But this assumption and this statement is incorrect. And we've talked about this on the show before with Dr. Brent Bowles. I think I mentioned it last week. There's only one study that claimed to have found that abortion is safer than childbirth or that giving birth is more dangerous than abortion for the mother. And that study was by Raymond and Grimes. Oh, by the way, one of those guys is an abortionist, conflict of interest. The stat that, that is referred to is based on that one study. But the statistical foundation of this paper is essentially useless. Maternal mortality statistics are collected in all 50 states as mandated by law and reported to the CDC. And they include any death of a woman from any cause from the time her pregnancy test is positive until six weeks after the delivery and is reported as the number of deaths per 100,000 live births. The data on maternal mortality statistics is much more solid and consistently reported by all states. But abortion mortality, when reported, only includes direct causes. Also, because abortions are performed on pregnant women, when they die as a result of the abortion, it is also reported as a maternal mortality and thus is counted in both categories. So abortion reporting is not consistent at all. Four states do not report any information on abortion to the CDC. 22 states do not report abortion complications, and those 28 that do require it cannot enforce the requirement. There is no reason to believe that the numbers of abortion deaths are accurately known and no reason to accept a conclusion such as theirs in this study when there's no data to back that claim. To have accurate abortion death rates, you would have to have a system that links records for pregnancy treatments, including abortion, to death certificates. But that currently is not done on any national basis in America today. However, there was a study, and Dr. Brent Bowles has talked about this, of 173,279 records for low-income women in California that did exactly this. And they found that abortion is not 14 times safer than childbirth, but that in low-income women in California, abortion was associated with a 
a 1.62 increase in relative risk of death as compared to non-abortive women. This data was available to Raymond and Grimes at the time the paper was written, but was purposely excluded. Furthermore, countries in Europe, such as Finland, have a centralized record system, and studies have been done there using a method that links death certificates to treatments for pregnancy, and more than six papers have been published about that. All of them found an elevated risk of mortality from abortion as compared to mortality from delivery, sometimes as high as fourfold, meaning that Finland data found that abortion was four times more dangerous than childbirth. And all the studies which can be found that have linked data in this manner show that abortion is more likely to cause death for the mother than childbirth. Additionally, a researcher named Dr. David Reardon, PhD, wrote a rebuttal to the Raymond and Grimes article and sent that rebuttal to Obstetrics and Gynecology, the journal that published the Raymond and Grimes paper. But they refused to run his rebuttal, and Reardon had to go elsewhere to get it published. And in his critique of Raymond and Grimes, Reardon noted that a CDC physician named Dr. Julie Louise uh, Gerdberding wrote in July of 2004, a CDC physician, follow the science, right? wrote in July of 2004 that maternal mortality rates and abortion mortality rates are, quote, conceptually different and are used by the CDC for different public health purposes, end quote. But Raymond and Grimes treats the two statistical measures as if they are the same and they are not. Therefore, their comparison is, is invalid in every way. So that's the response and the statistical flaws that the, the, the claim is built upon, the claim that abortion is sometimes medically necessary to save mom's life, and, and namely that abortion is safer than childbirth. That childbirth, I inducing early labor, performing a C-section, delivering the child, that's more dangerous for mom than the abortion is. Um, anyone who claims that or tells you that um, is a cynical liar who has no regard for the truth because their priority is abortion, not science, not data, and certainly not honesty. So um, this, is, this is pretty revealing about the priorities of the Biden administration. And if you're a watchman for your times, this won't surprise you, but you should share this with people who talk about our democracy, you should share this with people who are pro-choice, but they do want to do everything possible to protect the health and lives of women, because this lie endangers the health and lives of women by telling them that you should get an abortion over giving birth to your child because the abortion will be safer for your body, your future, and your fertility than childbirth will be for you. That's an incredibly damaging lie, as all lies are. But will Idaho's pro-life law prevent a pregnant woman who's about to die from receiving medical care? No. Even in states where abortion was illegal prior to 1973, life-saving medical care was still given to save mom's life, even if that meant inducing early labor or performing a C-section. However, treatment for such a condition, usually in the case of ectopic pregnancy, is not an abortion. An ectopic pregnancy would be called a salpingectomy or a salpingostomy. It has a different surgical procedural name because it's a different procedure. And Planned Parenthood admits this as well, by the way, until they conveniently remove that section from their website. And we talked about this last week on the show. Planned Parenthood had a line on their website for ages that said that the treatment for an ectopic pregnancy is fundamentally different 
than the treatment of quote-unquote abortion care. And they removed that line, and they said the reason was was they didn't want it being wielded or used by pro-lifers to harm them or to push quote-unquote what they call fake news or misinformation. Okay, misinformation, typically when you hear that phrase, especially from the activist media or the abortion industrial complex or the Democrat Party, just means correct, accurate information that we don't want the public to know. That's usually what that phrase actually means. And Planned Parenthood understands that treatment for life-threatening pregnancy issues is not the same as an abortion, but now they don't want the public knowing that. And now, of course, Attorney General Merrick Garland, um, who who's involved with the DOJ, as always, on his, on his revenge, um, on his lustful revenge tour against conservatives and pro-lifers who ensured that he didn't get a, a seat on the Supreme Court, said in the days since the Dobbs decision, there have been widespread reports of delays or denials to pregnant women experiencing medical emergencies, Garland claimed. We will use every tool at our disposal to ensure that pregnant women, oh look, he called them women, not pregnant people, get the medical care that they are entitled to. Of course, he's lying, and any widespread reports of delays or denials to pregnant women experiencing medical emergencies is either a lie or or it's cynical pro-abortion doctors who are intentionally denying women non-abortive life-saving medical care because they want to use those women as sacrificial lambs to push a lie that they can't provide this treatment in a post-Roe America because somehow that's the same as an abortion so that therefore they can bash pro-lifers over the head for passing pro-life laws that that sacrifice women on the altar of what our theocracy or something stupid. Uh, this is the lie that they're pushing. Attorney General Merrick Garland told reporters, quote, the Supreme Court said that each state can make its own decisions with respect to abortion, but so so too can the federal government, back to what I was saying earlier with this DOJ lawsuit against Idaho, nothing that the Supreme Court said, said that the statutes passed by Congress, such as the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act, are in any way invalid. It's quite the opposite, Garland says. The Supreme Court left it to the people's representatives, but the Emergency um, Medical Treatment and Labor Act was a decision by the Congress of the United States. Uh, referencing Article 6, Paragraph 2 of the U.S. Constitution, commonly known as the Supremacy Clause, he continued, quote, federal law invalidates state laws that are in direct contradiction. So again, back to what I said at the, at the top of the show, they're claiming that the state of Idaho is in violation of federal law in regards to the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act, which requires doctors to give stabilizing treatment to women in life-threatening circumstances, but that can only that phrase can only be said if you've already assumed that abortion is safer than childbirth. Okay, so so we sort of unpack those lies now. But but again, there is no there is no length these people are not willing to go to to protect abortion. This battle is heating up. It's not going to cool off anytime soon, and it's going to require significant commitment from the pro-life movement and frankly from the church and Christians who know better and should be involved in protecting life to put a stop to this culture of death. But Hakeem Jeffries um, took things to the next level. Um, and in Orwellian doublespeak uh, that, uh, that has become sort of par for the course in today's Democrat Party, um, he refers to pro-lifers as extreme threats to America. Hakeem Jeffries is a congressman representing Brooklyn and Queens, who also serves as the chairman of the Democratic Caucus, of course, of the United States House of Representatives. And he spoke about how, quote, extreme MAGA Republicans are, quote, out of control and, quote, a threat 
to America. Here's Hakeem Jeffries. The threat right now in this country to the American people are extreme MAGA Republicans. That's the threat. That's the problem. That's the crisis that we confront. Extreme MAGA Republicans. Why? They are extreme on reproductive freedom. They want to criminalize abortion care. Extreme on Social Security. They actually want to end it in five years. Social Security, they want to end it in five years. Extreme on democracy. Apparently, they do not believe in it. They want to lead us on a path toward authoritarianism. Extreme on guns. Extreme on Medicare. They also want to end it in five years. Extreme on voting rights. They don't believe in it. That's the threat that the American people confront. That's why we are going to continue to put people over politics and make it very clear what extreme MAGA Republicans are all about. So there's Hakeem Jeffries. Uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. And we're going to get into uh, exactly how tolerant Hakeem Jeffries is of actually extreme threats to America and to Americans. But of course, there's no such thing as abortion care. That's what he calls abortion, abortion care. That would be like calling slavery plantation care. Um, there, there's no such thing as plantation care. There's no such thing as abortion care. When the thing you're referring to is the murder of black people, the murder of babies, the enslavement of human beings. Nothing about that is caring. But of course, euphemisms are the requirement to the practitioners of genocide. And then he says, of course, we're going to put people over politics. Literally being pro-choice means putting politics over people. It means actually sacrificing people to maintain political power. That's what it means to be pro-choice. It means that unborn children become an acceptable sacrifice, not just on the altar of sexual libertinism and on orgasms without responsibility, but on the altar of our politics, on the altar of our political power, which is why NARAL and these other pro-abortion groups have percentage approval ratings for politics based off of how committed they are to protecting the sacrament of abortion. If you are pro-choice, you inevitably put politics over people. And he's he he's accusing Republicans of putting politics over people by saying we are going to put people over politics. <laughs> it's, ah, it's always a it's always a linguistic salad. After the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization decision, which you recall overturned Roe versus Wade, a group called Jane's Revenge, referring to Jane Roe, which was the name that Norma McCorvey went by in the Roe versus Wade decision. Jane's Revenge called for a night of rage uh, if Roe v. Wade got overturned. We did an episode called Abortophiles um, Plan a Night of Rage. And they claimed attacks across the country were only beginning. This is domestic terrorism. If Hakeem Jeffries wants to talk about extreme threats to America and to American citizens, let's talk about it. Of course, Hakeem Jeffries, totally fine with the summer of love, the mostly peaceful, mostly fiery, mostly peaceful, slightly fiery protests and riots of 2020 that killed multiple people, ruined hundreds of businesses and livelihoods. That was just mostly peaceful, of course. But if you're pro-life and, and you don't want the extreme threat of abortion to unborn children and harming the lives of women, then you are the domestic terrorist. You are the extremist. You are the threat to America, not the people who are literally the threat to American citizens' lives and safety, right? Um, 
So Jane's Revenge said this at the time they called for a night of rage. Okay, this is coming from an abortion activist group that has yet to be condemned by today's Democrat Party. Here's what they said. This attack is nothing in comparison to what is in store for you. Okay, stop, full stop. Can you imagine? Oh my gosh. Can you imagine if a pro-life Republican bombed an abortion clinic? Okay, and then of course, whenever the the handful of times this has ever happened, the pro-life movement says we condemn such activity and we wouldn't work with anyone who resorts to those tactics, but that's beside the point. Can you imagine if someone claiming to be a pro-life Republican who voted for Trump bombed an abortion clinic, defaced it, uh, and then said said that this is only the this is nothing in comparison to what is in store for you? That person would be thrown into a federal government January six isolated. <laughs> A containment cell and never see the light of day, never get a phone call to their lawyer, uh, and 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 never have a um a decision in a court of law and be able to defend themselves. Uh, but if it's coming from the pro-abortion side, you're not hearing anything from Hakeem Jeffries about extreme threats to America. James Revent said, some spray paint will be the least of your worries. <laughs> for decades, you have bombed abortion clinics and murdered doctors. We fight not just for abortion rights, but for trans liberation, ecological harmony, decolonization, the destruction of white supremacy and capitalism, and the uprooting of the entire global civilization. We will hunt you down. Wow. And make your lives a living hell. You started this war, but we will win it. So far, it's just been pregnancy crisis centers, but tomorrow it might be your cars, your homes, or even your lives. We support a diversity of tactics and will not step down in this fight. If anything, even half as violent and dangerous was ever released by any random not popular, no platform registered pro-life Republican, that person would be thrown behind bars for life. But of course, where, where where's the DOJ with their their and where's the the FBI or the Department of Homeland Security looking into these threats? Um, their MIA. James Revenge also celebrated an attack on two pregnancy resource centers in Massachusetts. And here's what they said. The bleepholes who lie to vulnerable pregnant people about abortion to confuse them and convince them not to seek abortions discovered this morning that their buildings had been redecorated with paint and broken glass, they wrote. As others have said, it is fun and easy to attack. As more people discover the joy in attacking the infrastructure of the patriarchy, the attacks will surely continue with increasing frequency. To anyone reading this thinking that it sounds like a good time, consider this your invitation to join the party. So it's not just inciting violence, it's, it's, it's inviting others to participate. To any purveyors of patriarchy that might be reading this, F off or you could be next. I mean, th these aren't like mild insinuations of threats. These are direct threats of violence as they're, as they're taking ownership for the acts of violence already perpetrated. Oh, uh, Hakeem Jeffries, where are you? Our democracy is in danger because he's a piece of crap because he never cared about justice he never cared about peace he never cared about democracy he never cared about tolerance he never cared about equality he never cared about equal treatment under the law all of these things mean nothing to the majority of the secular progressive revolutionaries in the democrat party today whose sacrament is abortion kill the babies or else approve of what we do or stay silent participate in what we do or shut up and if you dare to pose a threat to our political regime which is built on the mutilated bodies of 65 million aborted children, maybe you'll be next. Nice house you got there. It'd be a shame if it was burned down. Nice country you got there. It'd be a shame if it went away. 
These are the threats coming, not from the right, but exclusively from the left. Oh, and then uh, what was that one assassination attempt on a sitting Supreme Court justice? Oh, right. Oh, right. A group called Ruth sent us, hearkening back to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who they see as this feminist slay queen icon. Uh, Ruth sent us was the group that doxed Brett Kavanaugh and the other Supreme Court justices and leaked the home addresses of Supreme Court justices. Okay, and the man who traveled from California to Virginia or Washington, D.C. to try to murder Brett Kavanaugh, and he admitted that was why he was there, got the address from the group Ruth sent us that leaked that address. Uh, so you have an actual assassination attempt on a sitting Supreme Court justice. Uh, did you hear about that from anyone but me or or Charlie Kirk or Blaze or The Daily Wire? And, and if you did hear about it from the activist media, it was a tangential reference. It was not strictly condemned. And if it was, it was one brief condemnation. <laughs> Which is just laughable if you compare that to the type of coverage the activist media, the serviles of the abortion industrial complex, gave to January 6th, <laughs> right? You had one person killed on January 6th, and it was a Trump supporter. You had zero people on the left side killed by Republicans and, and whoever else was just bad actors or FBI informants participating in January 6th. Again, conversation for another time. I'm not getting into that. And you had zero deaths uh, uh, from the left of people who were killed. But you had an assassination attempt from the left because their address, the Supreme Court justice's address was leaked by a pro-abortion group. An assassination attempt on a sitting Supreme Court justice of the United States of America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. And the activist BD is virtually silent. Again, once again, make the point again. These people don't care about justice. They don't care about freedom. They don't care about classical liberalism and they they certainly don't care about you and we're going to get into exactly how much they actually hate you and anyone who would stand against abortion but i think we need to say this and we need to say this clearly those who will kill babies will just as quickly kill you it's a very important point but what exactly is threatening and quote unquote extreme about telling a woman that in some states in america the people are going to pass laws declaring that you can't kill unborn babies that in the vast majority of cases you created through a consensual act of sex. Remember, Hakeem Jeffries says it's the extreme MAGA Republicans that want to criminalize abortion care. Well, well, yeah, I guess we do want to criminalize abortion because it should be illegal to kill innocent human beings, particularly little babies. But did Roe v. Wade criminalize abortion at the federal level? No, it sent it back to the states, to our democracy, to determine our laws. But according to him, that's extreme. That's a threat to democracy, to the country. It is a threat to say states should be able to determine their own laws, especially on very controversial issues like abortion. I don't believe that's fully just, by the way. We need a personhood amendment in the U.S. Constitution that makes abortion illegal at the federal level. But overturning Roe v. Wade is actually obviously a step in the right direction, and it needed to be done in this in increasingly divisive culture war issue. But according to Hakeem Jeffries, that's an extreme threat to send legislative responsibility, authority, and power back into the hands of the people. But the actual physical violence of abortion is not an extreme threat to the babies that it kills. And the abortion activists who physically assault pro-lifers encourage violent criminal activity against pro-life organizations and refuse to condemn illegal protests outside the homes of Supreme Court justices is in no way threatening or extreme. That's just, that's just, um, it's just, 
mostly peaceful protests, right? I mean, if, if you're not awake yet, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, the real extreme threats that are being carried out in the name of abortion is not concerning to Hakeem Jeffries because Hakeem hates you if you're a Christian, if you're pro-life, or if you in any way have a problem with the Democrat Party's platform position on killing babies. So, um, and, and this, this increased attack, by the way, against pro-life pregnancy centers and pro-lifers um, is only increasing. And the Hakeem Jeffries comments about pro-lifers being extreme threats to America is hilarious, especially because literally weeks before his comments, House Democrats blocked a resolution condemning the extreme violence against pro-life pregnancy centers and churches by pro-abortion domestic terrorists. The real, real political examples of extremism and threats to America and American citizens is happening now. And not only is Hakeem Jeffries silent on that, but he's part of condemning. He, I'm sorry, he's part of condemning a resolution and shutting down a resolution that would condemn actual examples of extreme threats to America. I know it's hard to follow because once again, the left manipulates language to attempt to manipulate reality and upend our political order. On July 20th, Democrats in control of the U.S. House of Representatives refused to hear a resolution that would have condemned the violence that has been carried out by pro-abortion terrorists against churches and pro-life pregnancy centers over the last few months. This House resolution is called 1233-1233, quote, expressing the sense of the House of Representatives condemning the recent attacks on pro-life facilities, groups, and churches was introduced on, on uh, July 19th by Representative Mike Johnson. The resolution noted that, quote, since the May 2nd, 2022 leak of the Supreme Court's draft opinion in Dobbs, individuals professing anti-life views have targeted, destroyed, or vandalized numerous pro-life facilities, groups, and even churches to further their radical cause. According to Live Action News, the resolution lists some of the attacks, including the June 7th firebombing of Compass Care Pro-Life Pregnancy Center in Amherst, New York, the arson of Life Choices Free Pregnancy Services in Longmont, California on June 25th, and the three churches that were burned in Bethesda, Maryland on July 8th and 9th. The resolution simply stated, quote, that the House of Representatives, one, condemns recent attacks of vandalism, violence, and destruction against pro-life facilities, groups, and churches, two, recognizes the sanctity of life and the important role pro-life facilities, groups, and churches play in supporting pregnant women, infants, and families, and three, calls upon the Biden administration to use all appropriate law enforcement to uphold public safety and to protect the rights of pro-life facilities, groups, and churches. And boy, was law enforcement and public safety very engaged when, uh, I don't know, Republicans did an anti-lockdown rally in Washington to protest the lockdown shelter-in-place mandates uh, during the COVID shutdown scandemic. Uh, boy, are they engaged anytime a parent speaks at a school board meeting and asks their degenerate school board to pull the pornographic sex ed out of their children's curriculum and are labeled domestic terrorists by... Attorney General Merrick Garland, but they're missing in action and nowhere to be found when you have the actual example of extremism and physical threats to American citizens. The House leadership refused to even hear 
this resolution, okay? And by the way, the pro-abortion domestic terrorist group Jane's Revenge that we were just talking about has actually taken credit for much of the violence and vandalism against pro-life organizations and churches. And they they actually announced after the leaking of the Roe v. of the Dobbs versus Jackson decision, they actually announced that quote it is open season, quote unquote, open season on pro-lifers, open season on pro-lifers. Was any of this language or actual physical violence condemned by the Democrat Party, by the president? I think he one time just said, we need to remain peaceful, right? But he hasn't taken this seriously. The Biden administration hasn't taken this seriously. And the refusal to even hear a resolution condemning such violence gives away the game. Furthermore, um, as the abortion industrial complex recovers from their wound of losing Roe versus Wade, they're beginning to get all the more nasty and committed because of it. Remember, it's a wounded lion. It's all the more dangerous because of the wound. It's pissed off. The Aztec war gods of Elizabeth Warren are very angry. They're not accustomed to losing so many plates of human babies that they feed on. The, the satanic cult is famished and demanding more bloodshed. And so they're becoming more dangerous and more nasty and therefore more targeted against pro-lifers than ever before. Case in point, the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology is threatening to decertify physicians who provide alleged misinformation and disinformation about abortion to patients. Listen to this. The American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology, which certifies obstetricians and gynecologists, claims abortions are, quote, a essential, quote unquote, part of reproductive health care. And doctors who disagree could be punished. So the premise they're beginning with, guys, the group that certifies and licenses obstetricians and gynecologists is beginning with the belief and assumption that abortion is an essential part of reproductive health care. And in a statement on July 7th, the board threatened to revoke the certifications of OBGYNs who provide, quote, misinformation and disinformation about COVID-19, reproductive health care, abortion, and other OBGYN practices that may harm the patients we serve or public health, the Washington Times reported. Isn't that interesting? Practices that may harm the patients we serve. You might say, well, isn't the unborn child a person and therefore ought to be treated as a patient and therefore wouldn't abortion harm those patients to a greater degree than any other patient because it's the direct and intentional and state-sanctioned killing of the patient? Well, see, you're living in reality if you ask that question. But progressivism demands the filtering out of sight of any recognition of an objective moral order of a reality that holds across time and space. You must enter the looking glass with Alice in Wonderland into the la-la land of secular progressivism to truly be part of their regime. You must filter out of sight any recognition of the separate human being bearing injuries that are lethal. So, of course, there's no recognition of the harm done to the preborn patient through abortion. It's very important to 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 acknowledge this. We must always say this. You must never forget this. The abortion industry and their serviles 
will always assume through the course of their rhetoric that the unborn child is not really a human or not really a person or not really one of us, but they'll never explain why. It's merely an assumption. And you know what happens when you assume, right? You make an ass out of you and me. Or to quote C.S. Lewis, the most dangerous ideas in a society are not the ones being argued for, they're the ones being assumed. Because assumed ideas, especially when undetected, can destroy a nation. And that's become increasingly true in America in 2022. The statement from the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology reads, eligibility to gain or maintain ABOG certification may be lost if ABOG determines that physicians do not meet the standards that they have agreed to meet and that the public deserves and expects. Now, that's very open-ended language. What are the expectations, right? Um, What are the standards? And so I, I think it's very safe to assume that they're referring to sharing any information about the efficacy of the abortion pill reversal, the danger of the abortion pill, or the fact that abortion is linked to mental health issues, preterm labor and subsequent pregnancies, and breast cancer. Because each of those five things, let me say them again, the effectiveness of the abortion pill reversal, which is just progesterone, the dangers of RU486, the abortion pill, or the fact that abortion is linked to mental health issues, preterm labor and subsequent pregnancies and breast cancer, those five things are forbidden by the fact checkers and the liberal establishment. And we talked about this last week on the show. Remember, do not forget YouTube that just said that they're going to begin uh, censoring and controlling some of the abortion misinformation and disinformation is owned by Google. Google last year took their lead from a piece in the Daily Beast that referred to a study in the Center for Counting, Countering Digital Hate that was done by an abortionist that claimed that the abortion pill was danger. The abortion pill reversal progesterone is dangerous for women, which led Google and then later Facebook to ban all ads from pro-life organizations about the abortion pill reversal, which can reverse the abortion pill after you've taken the first regimen within 24 to 48 hours and has an up to 60% save rate. Those are banned. Those are not allowed today in the digital marketplace. And the National Abortion Federation and other pro-abortion groups that fact checkers take their lead from also say that there is no evidence that abortion is connected to mental health, preterm labor and subsequent pregnancies, or breast cancer. So it's very safe, and I would say actually accurate, to make the observation that the kind of standards, quote-unquote, that the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology is referring to is the standard of never saying anything that I just said. So if you share any information about this, well, you could just very well lose your board certification and not be able to to be a doctor in America. Or if you help a woman reverse the effects of the abortion pill and attempt to save her baby's life, you could lose your board certification. Listen, things happen gradually than suddenly. And the steady ostracizing and quote-unquote othering, othering of Pro-life doctors, Christians, and conservatives in America is intentional. Let me say that again. Things happen gradually, then suddenly. Progressives understand that they can't implement their goals and the hurdles that must be that must be uh, cleared to get to that goal too quickly. They must be done gradually, lest the good people wake up and recognize the agenda that's being implemented. It must be done gradually to lull the good people into silence 
apathy and, quote-unquote, tolerance. So the question for us is this. Do you, where do you think that all of this ends? This is a very important question for pro-life obstetricians and gynecologists. And, and I, I've gone after the silent good people who are doctors before. And, and, and it's because I love you guys and, and the work you do is important and I need you to rise up. I made this point when we had the, the, the board, I believe, of APLOG, American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists on the show, Dr. Christina Francis, um, who rightly encouraged people to join APLOG to have true representation for pro-life views amongst America's doctors. But that's not enough because if we don't take this threat to American medicine and obstetrics seriously, pro-life obstetricians and gynecologists are not going to be allowed to exist anymore in America. This is not hyperbolic. This is not a conspiracy theory. And if you think it is, the question you need to ask yourself is this, where do you think all of this ends? No, honestly, where do you think all of this ends? And yes, I'm going to make a comparison to Nazi Germany. In 1933, boycotts of Jewish businesses began, and Jews were barred from holding civil service, university, and state positions. In 1935, anti-Jewish racial laws were enacted, and Jews were barred from serving in the German armed forces. By 1936, Jewish doctors were barred from practicing medicine in German institutions. By 1937, Buchenwald opens. The next year, 1938, Jews are required to register all property held inside the Reich. By the end of the year of 1938, all Jewish students are expelled from German schools. By 1939 and 1940, Jews are forced to wear a yellow star, and the final solution, quote-unquote, begins shortly after. So listen, first, Hitler denied Jews certain rights of citizenship. No one is killed. In many ways, their lives could continue as normal. But things happen gradually, then suddenly, in order to lull people into apathy. Tyranny, as my pastor Rob McCoy says, is achieved by incremental steps by good people who submit to systematic control. It's a very important point. I need you to grasp and try to awaken others to realize, okay, where do you think this ends? In a little bit, we'll end the show with that question again and sort of with a very keen observation made by Thomas Paine, who wrote the book Common Sense, who argued for American independence pre-1776. But this marginalization and othering okay, of pro-life obstetricians and gynecologists is intentional. And if they're willing to kill babies, and if they're willing to target those who won't kill babies— where do you think that ends? You, what line do you think they will reach while well, they'll say, well, I won't go over this line? Very important point to make. This managerialism of information, by the way, is also a Nazi tactic. This, this, this new strategy by the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology to threaten to decertify essentially remove from the medical sphere pro-life obstetricians and gynecologists who in any way share accurate information that is damaging to the liberal establishment and the abortion industrial complex is actually a key element 
of the Nazis as well, the managerialism of information. And this is not a conservative talking point, a Republican GOP talking point. This comes from Joseph Goebbels, the Nazi minister of propaganda was his title, <laughs> Okay, who, by the way, also famously defined fake news. And here's what he said. Joseph Goebbels said, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, huh, people will eventually come to believe it. You, you notice that today, right? Whether it's COVID lies, experimental mRNA technology lies, or abortion lies, it's repeated. All these viral clips shortly after Roe v. Wade was overturned saying that women won't be able to get miscarriage treatment or treatment for ectopic pregnancies because that's the same as an abortion, and abortion is now banned in these respective states. That lie was repeated ad nauseum, not just on social media, not just by the Democrats, but by the activist media as well. Back to Joseph Goebbels. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. But, he says, the lie can be maintained only for such a time as the state can shield the people from the political or economic consequences of the state's lies. In other words, our lie only works if we can shield people from realizing the consequences of the lie, which requires the control of information. It thus becomes vitally important for the state, listen, to use all of its powers to repress dissent. <laughs> to make sure you don't have any political dissidents, to repress dissent to our regime. For the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie, and therefore, by extension, the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. Now, had I not told you that that was the Nazi minister of propaganda, Joseph Goebbels, <laughs> who worked for Hitler, you might have thought that I was quoting to you the honest admissions of a sexual sexual revolutionary from the 1960s or 70s. But that comes from the 1930s and 40s. The suppression of dissent so that people are not awakened to the consequences of the state's lies, which can only be maintained by repeating them over and over and over again and repressing political dissent. That's all that's happening here with the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology or with Google and YouTube controlling misinformation and disinformation regarding abortion. And we've debunked how the things that they call misinformation are actually just the truth. Lastly, as we wrap up the show today, the Biden administration, once again, back to the top of the show, the Health and Human Services Department under Biden, led by Xavier Becerra, who's a anti-Catholic uh, pro-abortion bigot, has the potential to force pro-life physicians to participate in abortions or face charges of discrimination. So according to Live Action News on July 31st, Monday, a press release was issued about the proposed rule claiming to address discrimination in healthcare. It would further implement Section 1557 of the Affordable Care Act, banning discrimination in health care based on race, color, national origin, sex, age, and disability. The 2020 version of the rule lessened its power and covered fewer programs and services. Part of the rule involves discrimination based on a patient's sex, which, quote, reiterates protections from discrimination for seeking reproductive health care services. The press release further explains that the rule, quote, listen to this, makes clear that discrimination on the basis of sex includes discrimination on the basis of pregnancy or related conditions, including pregnancy termination. 
Any hospitals or healthcare programs who receive federal funding would be subjected to the rule. Do you see? Now the push is to redefine sex, redefine pregnancy to be a condition of sex. So I guess now sex is immutable and it can only refers to women. Pregnancy to be a condition of sex. Therefore, refusal to provide the pregnancy, quote unquote, service of abortion is itself a form of sex discrimination. So therefore, if you're a pro-life obstetrician or physician who doesn't provide an abortion, you could be sued for discrimination. (laughs) In other words, kill babies or else. Kill babies or else. By the way, once again, as a reminder, the director, secretary rather, of the Health and Human Services Department is Xavier Becerra, former attorney general in California after Kamala Harris rose to the position of senator. And Xavier Becerra has targeted uh, pro-life Catholics to try to force them to fund abor- uh, contraception and abortifacients in their health care plans. Nuns, nuns who don't have sex. Well, he wanted to force them to provide funding for birth control and abortifacients in their healthcare plans. And he continued Kamala Harris's criminal prosecution against pro-life undercover journalists David Delighton and Sandra Merritt, who are the only undercover journalists in California history to be criminally um, uh, prosecuted for their activity, which exposed illegal behavior, namely that Planned Parenthood was selling dead baby body parts, breaking federal law to interested third parties or labs. That's who Xavier Becerra is, who says that men can get pregnant, I guess, through their urethra because, uh, you know, trans rights or human rights or some crap. Okay. By the way, the Equality Act aimed to do the same thing and more. I covered the Equality Act back in uh, early 2021 and 2020. But the Equality Act is an old pipe dream of the progressive movement that goes back to even Phyllis Schlafly standing against the Equality Act, which wanted to just basically obliterate any distinction between the sexes. And the Equality Act that was being revived in 2021 was aiming to redefine the Civil Rights Code, which banned discrimination on the basis of sex, to include pregnancy as a condition of sex, so therefore refusal to grant someone an abortion would actually be cause for discrimination lawsuits, which would also allow the uh, federal government to pursue shutting down churches or removing tax-exempt status or Christian universities that didn't allow men who say they were women to compete against other women because that would also be discrimination. That's just a little bit about what the Equality Act would have accomplished And this new proposed rule from the HHS essentially attempts to do the same thing in regards to abortion. Now, remember the cycles of progressivism and its process. First, they ask for tolerance. Then when we tolerate them, they demand acceptance. You actually need you actually need to accept what I'm doing. I want your acceptance. Say that my marriage is marriage. Say that my gay marriage is itself also marriage. And then after acceptance, they demand celebration, shout your abortion, fund it. More and more Democrats demanding that people fund the abortion industry through their tax dollars through the federal government. You need to celebrate it. And after celebration, they demand participation. And that's where we are at now. And this proposed rule from the Biden HHS department is case in point. If you refuse to provide an abortion, refuse to kill a baby, you should be sued for discrimination and likely have your medical license revoked as well. Now, remember, If you've been listening to the podcast for some time, we talked about the California Future of Abortion Council report last year or earlier this year. I think it was last year. 
that provided 45 recommendations to the state of California to turn California into a sanctuary state for murdering babies. One of those recommendations was to include the proposition to mandate abortion training for all California medical students. And otherwise, in other words, if you want to become a doctor in California, you must receive training in abortions and you cannot choose to exempt from that training. Kill babies or else. Participate or else. Or we won't give you a medical license if you try to use a religious exemption to get out of baby butchery training while becoming a doctor in California. If you think that this is just a bunch of hot air, you are full of hot air. This is not hyper this is not hyperbole. They're proposing this. They're pushing this. This is what they want. And now it's happening at the federal government at the HHS. Don't want to kill babies? <laughs> then you can't become a doctor. And we'll, we'll pull your medical license. We'll fire you. We'll remove you from the public square and from serving the public health. So I ask you again, where do you think this stops? Do you expect these people to go right up to the line of requiring licensed doctors to perform abortions or have their license revoked? But stop there. Oh, the, the, the killing babies didn't burden their conscience. <laughs> the requiring pro-life obstetricians to perform abortions upon threat of career termination, that didn't disturb their conscience. Oh, but we'll, we're going to stop right there. Oh, we wouldn't go. We would never target just religious conservatives and pro-lifers that don't want to fund abortion. We would never target pro-life pregnancy centers that just want to provide free care to women. We would never target you for claiming that marriage is a union of one man and one woman and that you want to homeschool your own children and teach them that they're only two genders. We won't go that far. We'll just arbitrarily stop our tyrannical agenda at the line of requiring pro-life obstetricians to perform abortions upon threat of career termination. Do you really think that? Do you really think they would just stop right there, that something was so morally burdensome about that line that they won't go beyond it? I ask you again, where do you think all of this stops? For the secular progressive moral revolution— Abortion was just one of many priorities and expedient issues that is used to upend society and accrue more political power. And we'll get into this in a future episode regarding Margaret Sanger. Margaret Sanger was not just an abortion activist. She was a Marxist, okay? She, she was a communist. She was a racist. And she was obsessed with breaking down Judeo-Christian principles and laws, laws that we understand are wise restraints to keep men free that opposed the distribution of you know, sexually pornographic material in the mail and such. My point is this. Sanger and the other secular moral revolutionaries cared about the entire progressive agenda. Abortion was just one piece of that agenda. And for too long, the pro-life movement broad aspects of the pro-life movement, particularly pro-life Christians and pastors, have paid lip service to the pro-life movement or remained orthodox in their pro-life commitment while entertaining or allowing various progressive priorities, principles, and tenets 
to flourish in their churches. And so my point is this. You need to understand what the goal has always been. Yes, abortion, but so much bigger than that. You'll notice that when we were talking about Jane's revenge, they were talking about the patriarchy and ecological respectability and trans liberation and all this crap. But they're a pro-abortion activist group. Why is that? Because they care about it all. Now, obviously, I'm a pro-life speaker. I'm the founder and CEO of a brand new pro-life organization called the White Rose Resistance. I have a narrow focus, but I bring in all of these issues. I explain how it's all connected so that the quote-unquote good people who are not on board with this agenda but may not feel as burdened for the unborn as I do will realize that if they don't end the genocide of abortion and tear down this centerpiece and linchpin of progressivism, All the other things that they don't want to see happen will begin to escalate at an increasing speed because abortion is such a centerpiece of all of the other progressive priorities. So I ask you again, where do you think the line stops? If they're willing to remove the freaking licensing of pro-life obstetricians who don't want to perform abortions or dare tell their patients that there's an abortion pill reversal, which is just the natural hormone progesterone, if they take the abortion pill and change their mind and those people need to be removed from the medical sphere, where do you think that stops? It doesn't stop until we're all in gulags. I know that sounds strange. I know that's hard for you to entertain or accept is possible in the land of the free and the home of the brave, but this has always been the priority. So let me finish with this. Thomas Paine, the author of Common Sense who argued for American independence pre-1776, had an incredibly powerful insight regarding the type of people who call injustice justice, who call good evil and evil good, those who are willing to resort to slavery and to the abuse of liberty will not stop there. And here's what Thomas Paine says. This is incredibly important. He says, there are persons too who see not the full extent of the evil which threatens them. They solace themselves with the hope that the enemy, if he succeeds, will be merciful. It is the madness of folly to expect mercy from those who have refused to do justice. Let me unpack that. He's talking about people in the colonies pre-1776 who he describes as seeing not the full extent of the evil which threatens them. Right, King George, Britain, England, right? That, that they see some of the evil that threatens them, but not the full extent of the evil which threatens them. And these people would solace themselves, comfort themselves with the hope that the enemy, if he succeeds in some of his priorities and agenda, will be merciful, (laughs) that he'll stop short of tyrannizing you, that he'll stop just short of a tyrannical agenda that might finally make your life uncomfortable and the abuse of the liberties you've taken for granted, to which Thomas Paine says it is the madness of folly to expect mercy from those who have refused to do justice. Those who murder the unborn will not hesitate to murder you as well. Those who believe that abortion, the killing of babies, is reproductive justice, you see, it's just to kill children in the womb, will not stop short of calling your abuse and murder justice and public health and safety 
as well. And what could be more unjust and wicked than killing little children, little babies, in the quote-unquote safety of their mother's womb? Why would you expect mercy from people who think abortion is justice? I ask you again, where do you think this will stop? This was always the goal. It was always the agenda. Going back to Thomas Malthus and Malthusianism and eugenics and the population bomb and reproductive health care, it's a thread through all of these movements and revolutions that aims at accruing political power, okay, worshiping Mother Earth, sacrificing babies, and getting rid of those that we either think are mentally or physically defective that we don't want reproducing so we can clean the gene pool, or those who pose a threat to our political regime. The lie can be maintained only for such a time as the state can exercise all of its powers to repress dissent, for truth is the mortal enemy of the lie, and therefore, by extension, truth is the greatest enemy of the state. We are of those who do not cave under lies and pressure. We are of those who stand for the truth. And if you're a Christian, you worship the way, the truth, and the life, and you're called to stand for truth, especially in a day like today, before, hopefully, it's too late. Let's finish with this takeaway from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who wrote the book, The Gulag Archipelago, um, who survived communist oppression, who said this, in keeping silent about evil and burying it so deep within us that no sign of it appears on the surface, we are implanting it and it will rise up a thousandfold in the future. If you remain silent about evil, you're only increasing the degree to which that evil will pose a threat in the future. The Leviathan is growing. He's getting hungry and angry, and his agenda will not stop until you, the good people, the bride of Christ, Christians in the church, wake up and put a grinding halt to this murderous, genocidal regime. The only question is what you will do now in the time that is given to you. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Give the show a rating and review. Let us know what you think. We really appreciate it. Subscribe at YouTube. It's growing a lot. We really appreciate it as long as I can fly under the radar of the technocrats at YouTube who are cracking down on abortion misinformation. If you want to become an ally of the White Rose Resistance to contend for the right of every person to be born and to educate and expose culture to the evil of abortion, go to thewhiterose.life, thewhiterose.life to become an ally at $35 a month and help us launch a new organization and revolutionary movement to contend against the culture of death, building something much bigger than just me, Seth the Speaker, to actually have a greater impact in the culture. Leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you think. We really appreciate it. If you want to book me for an event or sign up for my newsletter, go to sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Unaborted.